This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Sunday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mac coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. All right. Uh, you know we like to, from time to time, jump in to one of the major markets around the country when they've got compelling sports stories. And I believe right now that's happening down on South Beach. So to give us the Miami lowdown from WQAM in Miami, Zach Kratz, good enough to hop aboard with us. Zach and Mac here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Zach? I'm doing fantastic. I think you might have just given CBS Sports Radio their next big show, Zach and Mac. I'm ready. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's already transpired. Uh, Sundays uh, during the football season, Zach Gelb, one of our red, uh, regular guys, uh, hosts it, and I go in and give him a hand for his last two hours on Ion Football. So we, we this is a different version of Zach <laughs> right, and Mac, right. but I'm looking forward to this one as well. All right, um, I do want to hear about the teams going uh, up and down the floor, up and down the ice, and making off-season moves in both baseball and football, including a little college football. Let's start first with your two winter teams, both of which are playing pretty damn well right now. Uh, the Miami Heat hanging right at the top of the Eastern Conference. The East looks like a beast to me. There's five, six, seven teams that might be able to uh, make a run come playoff time and find themselves in an NBA final, with the Heat just did a couple of years ago uh, under COVID protocol, got to stay at home for the entire playoffs because just had to drive up to Orlando. One thing the Heat usually is really been good at over the last, I'll say since Pat Riley got here, a decade plus, um, they've always been a team that's been ready, willing, and able to add, uh, be it at the deadline, be it in the buyout market thereafter. Hasn't happened this year. Uh, did they just have that much faith in this roster that they went away from the way they usually do business? Yeah, I think that that's possibly what happened because of the fact that if you look at the season in perspective right now, they missed, Bam missed a ton of games. Jimmy missed a ton of games. Kyle missed a little while with personal reasons. Uh, Tyler Hero missed games because he was hurt, and yet they still stayed afloat. There wasn't a time where all of a sudden they lost, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten straight games like some teams could do, uh, whether they're good or really bad teams, and they stayed afloat. And now all of a sudden they're getting everybody back, and everybody uh, is coming to kind of fruition when it comes to their roles on the team. And I think everybody knows it. One thing that he has done over the years, and like you even said before, picking up guys, but picking up guys that fit the system, not just guys. Uh, right. Like in the offseason, trading for Kyle Lowry, bringing in P.J. Tucker. I mean, these are Heat guys. Like, like oh, now that they put on the Heat jersey and you watch them play and they're taking charges and playing gritty and they're tough, they're all Heat guys. So I think that's kind of what they did. Yeah, I was a little surprised they didn't try to make some, some moves or, or try to make a move 
at the trade deadline, but I think that they just kind of sat in a circle, the, the upper staff, whether it's Pat and Eric and Andy Ellisberg and those guys, and said, if we get it full strength, we're going to be one of the top teams in the East no matter what, even if we don't make a move. And I think that's kind of where they sat, unlike them normally, because they will try to go into the buyout market, which you never know could still happen at some point. I don't know if anyone will buy anyone out now, but they'll make a move if it's necessary. But I don't think they, they needed to. I don't think they wanted to, and I think they wanted to just stay afloat and get healthy, and I think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, the only guy who's been healthy all year is Duncan Robinson. Everybody's right. missed some time for the Heat. So getting the band together, where do they sit right now health-wise, and why should Heat fans have optimism? Yeah, once we get everybody healthy, we're going to be better than anybody else in the East. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the way that Eric and Pat and the upper staff and even the team think right now, that we have not been able to really play at full strength all season long. And it's going to be a tough out for any team in the East. And you're right, the East is a beast this year. If everybody gets to where they need to get to, and I'm talking really about Philly and Brooklyn more than anyone else, because Chicago's played unbelievable. DeRozan's just been incredible this year. Um, Cleveland's been good this year. But if Philly and Brooklyn, if I guess the rest of the East is just hoping they need as much time as possible to get there to their best. Because if they're at their best, then you're going to have an Eastern Conference semifinals with four teams that's going to be unbelievable. If Philly, Brooklyn, Chicago, Miami, doesn't matter. Milwaukee also. I mean, one team we haven't even brought Milwaukee. I'm looking forward to that. I think a lot of Heat fans, as much as Philly and Brooklyn are like the kind of sexy teams that people are talking about right now, um, if Milwaukee and, and Miami kind of met in the Eastern Conference Finals or semifinals, we're talking about an all-out kind of seven-game, you know, old-school Eastern Conference series because I don't think these teams like each other that much. And now that P.J. Tucker is with the Heat, I think it just gives them a little bit more there also. So I'm looking forward to it. I think the, 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 the end run for the NBA Eastern Conference is going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially with these teams like Philly and Brooklyn getting better or getting just more acquainted with each other. And Milwaukee, Miami, Chicago, and even Cleveland kind of just, oh, yeah, we're here. Don't worry. We're getting healthy and we're here also. So it should be fun. The scary part is the first round is going to be tough for a couple of teams right. because we are right. six or seven deep in the East right now. We're talking to Zach Kratz from WQAM down in Miami. All right, as good as your Heat team is, you can make the argument your hockey team is even better. Right now, uh, the, the Florida is sitting at the third most points in the NHL, first in the Atlantic Division. Uh, pretty damn good spot to be in right now are the Panthers uh, so I'll ask you about them leading up to the trade deadline. The NHL trade deadline comes later than the NBA. The Heat didn't get anything done. Will the Panthers, is that something they're looking to do? Or are they like their counterparts on the hardwood? Yeah, all we can need to do is get healthy. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll live with what we got in the locker room right now. I think it's possibly the same equation right there. As scary as that is, because you never see that in the city that has teams where one team's, or all the teams are kind of like, yeah, we're going to be okay as long as we just stay healthy. If the Panthers have a move to make, I have all the faith in the world in Bill Zito now, and I think a lot of people that were either diehard uh, hockey fans or just semi-Panther fans or semi-hockey fans have seen what he's done since he got here. I mean, look at the beginning of the season. Coach Quinville was there, and all of a sudden, this team couldn't lose a game. Then everything happens with Quinville, and Burnett comes in, and then you're like, okay, well, let's see if he could just keep this team together. Well, this team has been amazing all season long. They really have. They're struggling a little bit now. They, I think they lost three games at home before they've just lost, you know, two or three straight now going. And it's like, ugh, like what's going to happen there? Well, it's not a big deal. Like they're still, they're going to go through times like that during the season where they're not going to be playing at their best yet. 
they really haven't had that stretch yet. They might be in the midst of one right now, possibly because of a couple losses, but it's nothing where anyone's going a little bit crazy about it. I mean, they've lost three straight, what, four out of five now, and you just kind of look at this team and say, okay, Bobrovsky and the goaltending has been pretty good this year. Not great, but pretty good and better than it has been, especially since they signed him. And Huberto and Barkov and these guys, you know, we went for years talking about, oh, if this guy ever becomes the pick, he should have been at one, two, or three, because the Panthers had plenty of those picks over the years. And a lot of these guys are now starting to turn out to be those guys. Aaron Eckblad and those, and the defense is playing well. I mean, they're scoring goals when they can. Now, the last couple games, I feel like you could take everything I just said and throw it out the window. You can't give up eight goals, four, three, and four, whatever it was in the last couple losses, and say goaltending has been good. But overall, this team really has shown, I think, South Florida, like, hey, hey, by the way, we're over here in the corner in Sunrise, Florida. we got a pretty good hockey team over here also. We're the best maybe in the NHL at certain points. Uh, that's another team that, hey, you got to show us what you got in the playoffs. This team has won, I believe, one playoff series in two and a half decades. So it's not like all of a sudden, you know, we, we know what's going to happen. we got to change that situation here in Florida, especially in South Florida when it comes to hockey, because it, if you haven't paid attention yet, and I hope that plenty of South Florida and around the country have, the Panthers are a really good team right now, coached well, playing well, and they're going to be dangerous. But we have that other team in the state of Florida that somehow we bump into in the playoffs every year, and Tampa somehow has our number, whether they're hiding guys you know, uh, off the roster or not, and they bring them in for the playoffs or not. It's just an interesting kind of dynamic that's here in, in Florida now. Maybe two of the best teams in the NHL are sitting in sunny Florida. And you mentioned uh, the guy on your team that I like the most, as uh, I always pick these guys out, the guys you hate on the other team. But if they joined your team, get, damn, you'd love them the way that they play. And Huberdeau <laughs> right. is that kind of guy for me. Love to Absolutely. see him uh, on a Absolutely. team that I'd be rooting for. All right, uh, All right, Dolphins. The Brian Flores fallout has subsided, but it sure as hell hasn't gone away. And they're still investigating the accusations that uh, the Matt, the owner was willing, ready, and able to pay for added losses a couple of years ago. Um, it's just from a national perspective, it seems to have died down a little bit. Has it died down down there? Yeah, I think it has a little bit, but it's it's it just keeps poking its its head out because of the fact that Flores keeps talking. You know, he, he keeps going on and, and telling his story. So every time he tells a story to a new outlet or real sports or ESP, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, he was on CBS this morning when he first started everything out. Whenever that happens, it just kind of it rears its, its head out you know, once again. And listen, there's going to be a major investigation on what this allegation is down here. I know that Flores' lawsuit is a lot bigger than just this, but this is a big thing going on in South Florida when it comes to if there is any real evidence, and the lawyers for Flores says there is, and, and when they have to show it, they will. And he even told Brian Gumble that I will share the information with with the NFL with the NFL when they investigate. If there's a paper trail, Stephen Ross is in big trouble. If this ends up just being in a conversation where he could kind of get away with saying, "Oh, I was just joking," it was more of we we should lose, or it's better. Then maybe it, it ends up not being as bad. But if there's a paper trail. This could be unprecedented where all of a sudden the NFL has to go to a vote. I mean, we see what's happening in Washington with Dan Schneider, and we saw in Carolina a couple of years ago with their owner. Basically, Carolina owner walked away uh, and figured out that this is just going to be something I need to walk away from. Dan Schneider's kind of fighting it in the background. We'll do our own investigation, which is laughable by itself. And, you know, NFL kind of shut that down. But down here in Miami right now, they're going to have a major investigation on whether Stephen Ross really did tell him or show him on a sheet of paper or whatnot 
that I will give you $100,000 for loss. If that comes to fruition, then I think Stephen Ross is in big trouble. If not, I don't know what the end result can be if there really isn't any evidence of it's he said, she said, or he said, he said at this point. Um, but it sure is damning just to have in the background anyway. When it's in the cloud, when it's sitting over your team, and you have a new coach, and you have a new and, – and he loves your new quarterback, which some people do and some people don't, you kind of want to just talk football. I'd rather just talk football, but instead, this is the front page news, and it stinks, but that's where we are right now. You've jumped ahead to my next question. Thank you very much for getting me there. Um, the new head coach, Mike McDaniel, is he the right guy? You're saying he's professed that uh, he is ecstatic to be coaching uh, Tua Valo going forward. Is he believable? We know Tua's couple of years in Miami have been uh, hectic, chaotic, probably a better word to describe it. Doesn't start right away. Fitzpatrick does. He goes in and wins games, even though he doesn't put up numbers. This year, same thing, winning games, but his numbers are on the bottom half of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you believe it when McDaniel says it, that, oh, I'm going to build this team around Tua Tungavaloa? Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. There's one thing that Mike McGill has in his back pocket that's that's going to help. It's the fact that they have to bring in offensive linemen that are not drafted. They need to bring in some veteran guys. They need to help out the running game, which McDaniel was obviously a huge part of in San Francisco, which is one of the best in the league for a couple of years. they got to bring another wide receiver in, whether they draft a young guy with that 29th pick overall or they bring in a free agent. He's going to be able to upgrade this offense, which is going to help Tua, or it should help Tua. And it's also going to give you the answer on Tua because if they bring in one of these really high-priced free agent offensive linemen or two of them, if they bring in a running back that knows the system or two of them and they bring in another wide receiver and Tua still struggles, well, I think you know at that point where the problem lies. And it's Tua and not the rest of the offense. This year, this season, the offense was terrible. The offensive line was not good at all. There was no run game. The passing game was the quick hitches, the, the little wide receiver screens to Jalen Waddle once in a while, something halfway downfield. Otherwise, you'd watch a game or two uh, under through guys. So, yeah, the pressure is on Mike McDaniel, but I just think that it's not like having a coach here for three or four years. If Flores was still the coach and he had all his eggs in a basket with Tua this season coming up, I think Brian Flores would have been in trouble next year if Tua didn't do well. Mike McDaniel's in no trouble if Tua doesn't do well. Then you look into next season, and Mike McDaniel could go to the owner and the GM and said, I changed the offense to fit him. It didn't work. I think we need to move on. Whether that's the case or not, and whether that's in the, the kind of next year plans or not, I don't know. But they, we were kind of ripping the, the Dolphins in the last season for making that trade, getting out of three, going to 12, going back to six, picking up an extra first rounder. Who cares about that extra first rounder? Well, now all of a sudden you look and say, well, we have a season with Tua under Mike McDaniel and this new offense. If it doesn't work, all of a sudden you go into next season with two first-round picks, and then you think to yourself, well, now maybe you have some ammunition if you do have a disgruntled quarterback somewhere in the league that can help this team. I don't know. I know that Mike McGinn, and we sat down with him for about 25 minutes in the interview for the morning show, he could not talk enough about the fact that he's going to be able to help this offense, fix this offense, and two is going to be the main part of it. So when I look at that, I want to believe what he says, but every three years we have a new coach down here, so I'm going to kind of keep it with a grain of salt in the back pocket and say, I hope, but I'm not totally betting on it. All right. They've got San Francisco's pick this year because of that deal, which is uh, later than one would think because the 49ers had a surprisingly good year. As a matter of fact, almost right. went to the Super Bowl. Um, so it's right. a late pick, number 27, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, offensive line is certainly a need. You talked about the running game not being as good as it is. Running backs just aren't taken in the first round, and I don't think the Dolphins will take one with number 27. Where are they going to – how are they going to upgrade the running game? 
it's going to be I, – I would look at anyone that has played in that San Francisco offense in the last two or three years that might be a free agent or has played in kind of that zone-blocking run offense that Denver's had for years. I think if any of those guys are available in free agency, they're going to try to bring a guy in that kind of knows that system and go with that. Maybe draft a guy, but not till late. I mean, I'm, this, this is not a team, like you said, whether they're 27 or 29, I'm not sure exactly where it is. Wherever that, that pick is, no way that's a running back. I would expect that to possibly be a wide receiver or maybe an offensive lineman, yet I don't trust the guys upstairs in Dolphins drafting offensive linemen anymore, especially early. And, and whether that's mm-hmm. first, second, or third round, they haven't done a very good job in the last couple of years. They've drafted some guys that they've had to switch positions. I mean, Eichenberg last year, they, they traded up to grab him in, uh, I believe it was the third round. They, they had him at right tackle, left guard, and left tackle before the even season even started. They had him in three different positions. The guy played left tackle at Notre Dame for a couple of years. They started him off at right tackle here. Then they moved him to guard, and they finally moved him to left tackle and let him sit there all year. They drafted Austin Jackson with one of those three first-round picks in 2020 for a left tackle. He's now the left guard, and I don't even know if he's really the starting left guard going into next season or not, if they get upgrade there. So I hope it's not an offensive lineman that late in the first round. But if one of those wide receivers are there, those young guys, one thing we've seen in the last couple of years the young wide receivers are coming into the league and playing well right away. Even Waddle this year for the Dolphins played pretty well for this team and Chase and plenty of other guys that we could talk about. So if there's a guy there like that, perfectly fine when the commissioner goes up there, if the Dolphins announce they pick X wide receiver from one of these big uh, schools, I'd be fine with that late in the first round. Zach Kratz from WQAM down there in Miami giving us a South Beach sports insight here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, we haven't gotten to the baseball squad in town just yet. And uh, not far from where you're at, up I-95, oh, a whole bunch of miles to get to Jupiter. It's where they're negotiating today to try and get the season started on time. Let's be honest. Uh, baseball in Miami is a borderline afterthought. It's not as popular, certainly, as the Dolphins. Uh, and the way your hockey team and basketball team are playing, they've certainly fallen onto the back burner. Is that a good thing that you don't have a fan uprising there because the fan base is just not as big as some of the other sports? Are they flying under the radar, the critique of Major League Baseball, either teams or players, whoever you think is on the wrong side of this negotiation? Is it almost a non-entity because baseball's just not that big in your town? It's not like a non-entity. It's like a non-talking point at all. Like that's, right. that's the baseball market we're in right now, Jody. You nailed it right on the head. You go to other markets around the country where baseball is relatively the king or the king in those markets or really close to it, and there's an uprising. There is a pissed-off fan base. They are upset. Yep. They're Down here, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, baseball is going to be either delayed or it's not going to start on time. The fan base down here is so minimal, um, and I thought that maybe when we got rid of the last ownership, when Laurie and Sampson kind of you know left this, they were really really hated down here as you can only imagine. That maybe it would change. Then you bring in Jeter and Sherman, and it's like wow, Derek Jeter's group bought the team. Let's see what happens here. I think people expected a little bit more from Jeter as being the face of the organization um, as an owner to come out and do more, and he really hasn't. He's acting like an owner, but really acting like the owner that, you know, doesn't live in the city and just comes around once in a while. I'd love to see Jeter make baseball a little bit more of his kind of priority or the Marlins kind of his priority. I'm sure he's doing plenty in the background. I'm not saying this guy isn't doing anything because that's not fair of me to say that. He's just not in the limelight. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't do a lot of stuff. So we don't see him a lot. And I think that's what we all expected when he came down here. And I think because of that, we're kind of still at the same place that we were when the other ownership group was here, that eh, baseball, big deal, no big deal. They're going to play. They're not going to play. 
there are baseball fans down here and I feel bad for them, but there's plenty of non-baseball fans that because of the way the basketball and hockey team, like you're, like you talked about are playing right now because of the off season dolphin stuff, because of something I know we'll talk about soon, the hurricanes football team, there's plenty of other things to kind of root for down here, but the baseball market down here, it's, it's really sad more than anything because we have a major league team down here, but we, it's like we don't have a major league team down here. All right, I'm going to go exactly where you took me to the Hurricanes and college football uh, for the final topic I want to hit on with you. This was a very tumultuous offseason when it came to coach, uh, coaching maneuvers. Guys jumping one place to another, guys you thought were locked in as a top coach in the entire sport, and all of a sudden they're somewhere else. Mario Cristobal coming down to uh, South Beach. No, he's a good coach. No, he's been a winner. Does he fit in Miami? Yes. This is his – This is he has been, I think, waiting to come back down here, of an opportunity to come back down here and coach since he was probably at FIU years and years ago. Okay. I think this, this was his dream job. Um, he came down here the first day. First off, I'll even you know rewind a little bit before that. There's no chance if you would have asked me this question five months ago, if Mario Cristobal is going to be the head coach here, that I would have answered yes. No chance. And, and for one, one reason only, the Hurricanes football team, as much as they're the U and there's a big brand around the country and people talk about it, there was always the thing in the background that this team and this university has no money when it comes to going out and getting the new guy, the big name guy. We went with guys in the past that have been associated with the program, Randy Shannon, Manny Diaz. Um, Mark Rick came into town. When he came into town, I think that was the biggest, like, whoa, I can't believe they got a Mark Rick to come down here and coach the Hurricanes. Al Golden. These are the coaches that have been here in the last you know, 15 or 20 years, but never has there been an opportunity where we're going to go get the high-priced guy and then give him a huge budget to bring in as many guys as he can to help out. And boy, was I surprised when this happened because they not only got Mario Cristobal and signed him to a decade-long deal, they go to Michigan and take the O.C., they, they get Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator. They go get Charlie Strong to coach the linebackers. Like, right. all these guys have one thing in common. If you go and really dive deep, they're all really good recruiters, and that's what Mario's big thing is. Mario knows he's got to coach his team when it comes to Saturdays and during the week, but he knows that he could win if he wins recruiting every year, and that's what he needs to do. He didn't have very much time this year to go out and recruit. Obviously, he took the job late in the cycle. But he went out and got a class of like 14 or 15 guys, which is 10 or 12 under what the norm is for the Alabamas, Georgias, Texas A&Ms of the world. But he got quality guys, four- and five-star guys, three-star guys, that are, might come in this year and play right away. So I'd love to see what happens in a two-year cycle, starting with this offseason now going into 23 and 24 with Mario. But I think that the way he recruits and the coaches he's brought on staff, I think this team's going to be pretty good in a year or two. And I don't mean – I don't know if I can necessarily – sit here and tell you they're going to be in the national championship, but they expand the playoffs. That's going to be a pretty good shot for Miami to make a jump in the ACC without Clemson being Clemson right now and not having the Trevor Lawrence's of the world there. And all of a sudden, you know, being one of those four playoff teams, even before the season starts, Miami's opportunity is right now, Florida state struggling on the other side of the ACC also. And there's really no one else. That's a big dog in there. Miami could grab it right now. That's what Mario's goal is. And there's a huge buzz in Coral Gables around this Hurricanes football team. They're excited to get spring football started, see what the case may be. And they have a quarterback. Whenever you look at a, a football team, pro or college, if you have a quarterback, it's a pretty good start. Tyler Van Dyke really showed last year when he got the ball. He's a pretty good quarterback out there with big, big aspirations of being a big-time guy for the Canes. So there's buzz. Now, 
still got to play games, still got to win games, still got to win the Coastal. They haven't yet. Jody, if I would have told you when they joined the ACC that the basketball team is going to win the ACC regular season and <laughs> tournament before the football team wins their side of the ACC, Jody would have laughed me off the air and hung up on me, but that is the truth. The basketball team has won before the football team has. So there's pressure on Mario, but I think the buzz is also there, all that it hasn't been there. And probably since Rick, when he first got down here and then before that, maybe when Shannon was able to get all those recruits from the Miami Northwestern school down here at one point, and it didn't work out. But there's some serious buzz in Coral Gables right now. Yeah, there. when you've got a 10-year contract, as you mentioned, that does take a little of the pressure off. And, right, uh, right. You're talking about a two-year cycle. I think he's got a little bit more than that to work with. He does. Uh, but it should right. be fun to watch. Hey, Zach, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, tell our buddy Joe Rose we send our regards. We appreciate you hopping on with us today. Jody, thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. Call me anytime. My pleasure. Zach Kratz from WQAM here with us, giving us the South Beach lowdown. Right now, Miami, not a bad place to be if you're talking about professional sports. All right, Jody Mack coming back. We'll get the phones restoked. Hit me up at 855-212-4CBS. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 